What's up, guys? Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of the Strong Dad Army Podcast. Once again, before we get started, just thanks for uh, checking out the previous episodes from this season and also, you know, past seasons as well. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribing on wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, wherever it is, Apple Podcasts, obviously. Um, but just one thing I do always try and ask you guys is if you could head over to wherever you're listening to it and where, whatever kind of review you're able to leave us, leave us a nice review, leave us five stars or whatever it is, and it just helps bump us up the uh, up the ratings a little bit. So this week, we have a very, very special guest this week. Uh, it's been a long time sort of in the making, this one. Um, it's hard to get our schedules matching up because um, when you when you see who this guy is and and what he does for a living and everything, that he's an extremely busy guy. And it was, uh, you know, we had to make sure we could nail it right down to um, to when we could both f- uh, figure this out and record it. So this week's guest is WWE superstar Pete Dunn. Pete um, was one of the original WWE NXT UK champions and is still, as it stands at the time of releasing this, is the uh, longest reigning WWE UK champion. Uh, but he now plies his trade over in Florida on the NXT roster um, as opposed to the NXT UK roster. And um, having had the ch- chance to work with him down at the uh, Performance Centre in London, we, uh, we, you know, we decided to try and get this arranged so he could tell us about life as a wrestler Life as a, a dad who is also a wrestler and all everything in between. So, without further ado, here is this week's episode with Pete Dunn. Enjoy, guys. Hey, guys, welcome to this next episode of the Strong Dad Army podcast. And this week, my guest is none other than. WWE NXT superstar Pete Dunn. Pete, how are you, pal? Not bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. Trying to su- survive and get through the uh, the new lockdown that we're in in the UK. So, uh, but obviously, you're talking to us from Florida. So, what are things like over there at the minute, mate? Yeah, the complete opposite. Florida's well, at least it seems wide open. But we're yeah. in between. So we have TV every Wednesday, and then in between that, we're you know you got to be sensible. We're fairly locked down, so. Living basically the same as you guys in the UK, really. Ah, oh, right, right. So kind of, kind of strict-ish. <laughs> We're strict on ourselves, but in Florida, honestly, yeah. you know, outside of the masks and stuff, people are just out there living yeah. their lives. So it's very Amazing. different. I suppose, anyway, it's, very, it's similar to here, really. Even though we are in a lockdown, you sometimes, like, you know, when I'm driving to and from work and stuff, and you just think, I'm sure, we're supposed to be in a lockdown here. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? But yeah, so. Um, so I'm right. Am I right in thinking, mate, that you, as it stands, you're still the longest reigning NXT UK champ? Is that right? Or Walter hasn't overtaken that yet, has he? For for a few more weeks, yeah. For I'll be the longest weeks, reigning yeah. champ without the the asterisks of a of a pandemic. So we'll <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> right, mate. So if it's uh, if it's all right with you, like I, you know, I always like to sort of chat. With, uh, with guests about sort of, you know, your childhood, really, for, you know, grow, obviously, no doubt, growing up in the UK, but uh, what was uh, what was your childhood like? You know, were you, were you were you sporty as a kid or, you know, anything you've got you can tell us about growing up as a kid in the in the Midlands? It's just really normal, to be honest. Um, I grew up playing football, like, like most other kids that sort of age in England. And uh, I was always a wrestling fan. The bit where it gets different for me is I started wrestling at 12 years old. 
So that that's obviously very weird compared to what a lot of my friends are doing at that age. So I say yeah. they're still playing football or whatever, and and I, and I found wrestling at a very very early age. So my life got got a lot more interesting after that. But up to that point, it was you know as normal as a as an upbringing for any kid in Birmingham. You know, yeah. good parents, good family. Um, yeah. So it changed a lot when I when I hit twelve years old. Yeah. So not a troublemaker or anything like that. <laughs> no, no. I'd, well, I don't think I was anyway. Um, no. No, just loved wrestling. Always loved wrestling. I spent most of my time like we, we had the wrestling channel in the UK. Um, yeah. We're lucky enough to have that. Uh, so I was able to find wrestling from like outside of WWE, finding like, you know, what people like AJ Styles when they were younger wrestling in sports halls or these small venues. Mm-hmm. And so that sent me down this rabbit hole and then it coincided us with, with us getting the internet and stuff like that. And so I spent most of my time, honestly, just completely enamored and obsessed with, with wrestling from, yeah. from the second I was able to, to start researching that and going down that rabbit hole. So how did that come about then? Was it like, was it something going on local to you or did you have to travel quite quite far to, to get into it? Because I've had uh, Dave Mastiff on the on the podcast um, a couple of, sort of seasons ago and he said he was just pretty, pretty much, as luck would have it, there was one, like a, a wrestling school, if you like, at his local leisure centre, which he didn't even know about at the time. Is it similar for you or was it totally different? Yeah, so the, there were a few training schools in Birmingham, but the problem was uh, they would only take it's probably from 14 or 15 years and off. Mm-hmm. Um, the only school that we found that that would take people of from 12 years old and off was uh, in Coventry. So not too far from where I am. It was about you know 30 minute drive. So um, nothing crazy, especially when you talk to how far people in the states travel to learn to wrestle it can be across states and all sorts. So not too far. Yeah. But you know, as a 12 year old kid asking your parents to drive you. 30 minutes to Coventry every single Sunday to wrestle on some crappy frozen judo mats. You know, it's a big ask, but they were good enough to do it for me every week. They, they would take me there that's, every that's great, week yeah. until I was old enough to work out myself. Um, so give me a good, you know, it was the most humble of beginnings you could ever find in wrestling, but I wouldn't change it for the world because it gave me this massive head start. You know, by the yeah. time I was old enough to go on the road and wrestle, again, probably too young, but 15, 16 years old, I was already a few years in. I already had that experience under my belt. Whether it was good experience or not, doesn't matter. Uh, it's still, still giving experience. That yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. So um, I know you did actually have your first match um, at a really young age, didn't you? I mean, I know you said you're on the road at 14, 15, 16, but was it like 13 or 14 or something when you had your first sort of, your first match? Yeah, so I can't remember exactly how old I was when I had, I would have had a match in front of a paying audience, but the, the company that I was with, like learning to, to train, so they would run their own smaller shows out of the training school we were in. And then they did like, um, it was the first time I met Mark Andrews, actually. We did this show mm-hmm. at a, like a community festival in Coventry. So there would be odd mm-hmm. gigs like that. Um, it was very yeah. inconsistent, but from, from the age of, well, I imagine from 12, 13, um, I'd have been doing those, those sort of one-off type shows that weren't, you know, there, there weren't the same pressure of like having that paying audience there. There's yeah. Nothing like what, what you see now with wrestling in the UK. But uh, yeah, so it would have been super young. Nice, nice. So, I'm, uh, am I right in assuming like was the big goal to get to the WWE or was it was that not necessarily? You know, because sometimes it's it can be surprising. It's not even necessarily the big goal. People just love to wrestle, and it isn't always the the dream. But obviously, for a lot, it is. Was it, what was it like for you? 
I mean, I, I always said that I wanted to work for WWE at least once, but mm-hmm. the way it was before was, you know, it was just like the end of the tunnel, maybe one or two people out of the UK would get there, but it was still very selective. You know, it was even to have, to have been a part of a tryout or, you know, having that, that level of access to WWE was a, was a big deal back then. It wasn't, yeah, you know now it's so accessible where you can see the route, right? Like now, now the way it's set up, you can go and you know find a reputable training school, and then that'll lead you to get onto the progresses or the ICWs, the you know the bigger companies, and then from there, once you've made that name, you could you know get a tryout and be a part of NXT UK, so on, so on, so on. The next next thing you know, you're in the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, whatever. You know there wasn't that path set up when I started. This is a a, a very new thing. Yeah. So, it, you know, it didn't really seem that possible that I was going to go and have this, you know, long career, you know, almost the way the way it's panning out for me now it didn't seem possible. You know, there wasn't an NXT, there wasn't anything like that. So I just said I would like to work there once just to say that I did it, you know, because then you can say to your friends when they say, oh, you know, like WWE. Yeah, exactly that. I've worked for them, you know. But outside of yeah. that, I just wanted to make a living off of yeah. wrestling. That, that was my goals and... Uh, obviously, the way things have developed, changed, and, and panned out over time, um, it's you know been really favourable for somebody who my size who wrestles the way I do, and even now for you know I was part of that process, but now even for British wrestlers, it's never been it's never been better because you, like I say, I've just explained that route. It's right there. You can yeah. see like, this step, yeah. that step. for anyone goal orientated. It's all there in front of you. Yeah, just gotta just gotta make it work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's the story then with you actually getting, you know, the WWE gig? Was it a case of tryouts? Did you get, you know, because I know you, I know you said like tryouts were quite few and far between back then, or you know, was it sort of somebody spotted you kind of thing, like a talent type scout thing? How, how did it work for you? Where was your footing or your routing? So, um, I'm trying to think the first contact I ever had with them. I think I, I did a, a thing for the Cruiserweight um, Classic when that first came around, uh, where I just had a match for progress that then WWE put on their socials and stuff like that. So that was the first sort of... I, I knew at that point I was on the radar, but I never yeah. had any direct direct contact with anyone. And yeah. then maybe six months after that or so, uh, I was just sitting at home one day. I had a, a, a show in Mansfield uh, for a, a smaller company. Um, that day and I, honestly like I, I always take it serious once I'm there like I I loved wrestling whether it's in front of 10 people or you know 10,000 didn't matter to me but yeah, you know, it would still be there would be those shows that felt mundane to you you know and that was one of those days and I'm debating whether I should tan that day whether I should go work out whatever and, and I get a, a phone call and I rejected it and I get a phone call again you know a couple of minutes later and I rejected it the third time it rings I saw it said Stanford, Connecticut at the bottom uh-huh. I thought, I mean, that's, that's a bit of a coincidence. I thought I'd better answer it this time. I answered it, and it, and it was William Regal. Right. Bear in mind, no, no contact with him before. And that's not usually the, the way this works. Um, I have a phone call from him, and he says, uh, I want to come see, see you work tonight in Mansfield. Is that is that okay? I'm like, at first, I'm thinking it's a rib. Someone's, like, having me on. Yeah. Just going to go out of the blue. But of course, I, 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 I say, yeah, sure, come down. I'll meet him in the car park bring him in, introduce him to the promoter. And effectively to me, I just took that as right. This is the best uh, opportunity at a job interview you could ever have. You know, he's, I didn't even know it was in the UK, but he specifically came to this small show where, you know, there's no distractions. There's no, you know, 
no one on that show is going to be, for lack of a better term, over. You know, it's it's a uh, it's just go out there and 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 wrestle for him, give him the match that I think he would want to see, and that's what I tried to do. And luckily, the the style that I worked, I knew would appeal, and obviously he'd already. Little did I know he'd obviously been watching a bunch of stuff and following a lot yeah. of programs and, and already knew who I was. But yeah, so that, that was the first meeting and it went really well. Um, afterwards, he, he said to me, do you want to try out in, I think it was November, uh, which was a couple of months away. Um, of course, I said, yeah. And then the tryout was in November. By December, uh, I'd signed a deal. And then in January was the press conference for that first, for the launching of the, the UK stuff. So it all yeah. happened incredibly fast. Pretty quick, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. So, um, I mean, like we mentioned, you you know, you, you've, you of course, became the uh, NXT UK champ. Um, at one point, held on to that belt for quite some time. Um, when did the then, then the, the, the move to the US start to come about? Because uh, as we've mentioned earlier on, you know, you're now over in Florida. You're on the NXT brand. Um, I know you've, you've you know, had a couple of appearances on NXT UK over these last few months. But um, when did the, the move to Florida start to come about? Yeah, so I was back and forth a lot ever since ever since I signed that deal. I was because there was no NXT UK at the time. That yeah. was that was in the process of being built. So I would spend time in the UK doing independent type stuff. We travel the whole world. Honestly, I did independent stuff all over the world. And then in between yeah. that, we would come into Florida for six to eight weeks or whatever. We'd spend time at the performance center. And so I was getting the best of both worlds. But we were lucky enough as well on top of that when we were in the UK. If there was a main roster UK tour, we would be a part of that with Raw or SmackDown. Um, mm -hmm. Whenever there was a big pay-per-view like WrestleMania or Rumble, we'd be a part of all of that. So we'd be doing dark matches over there. or um, Obviously, I even got to be in the Rumble. So we were getting all these opportunities as they popped up. And honestly, that's still how I would like my career to be. Right now, I'm situated here. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, with the, the world we're living in right now, this is the best place for me where I can yeah. keep working and, and, and keep things steady. But I like the idea of, of bouncing around and it not being so so uh, linear for me, right? Because I had this this way into into WWE that's completely different to most people. Yeah. So I like the idea of, like, you know, you don't know if I'm going to pop up back in the UK or, you know, and just keeping every, every door I possibly can uh, yeah. open. So... As of right now, it just felt like with the way the world is and obviously with the TV deal that we have with NXT, it just felt like the right thing to do to be here and fully commit to NXT and, and see, see how far I can take it. Yeah, but I, th I think it went down pretty well, didn't it? The uh, popping up on NXT UK for those few appearances a few months back. Yeah, so I'd moved, I'd moved here um, officially, obviously pre-pandemic. I was here for a few months and... Mm -hmm. We thought, okay, we're, we're locked in here now for a couple of years. We're going to have a good run at this. And then next thing we know, a few months in, we find ourselves back in the UK, locked down in the UK for the best part of, what was it, seven, eight months? Yeah. And like honestly, that. that was the best thing that's happened to me because it gave me time to... I've never had time off. A touch wood, I've never had an injury bad enough to take time off. It's always been things I've been able to work through just about, so... I've had a lot of wear and tear and, and that builds up. So being able to go back home and effectively have an off season, that's the way I looked at it was, you know, I'm still a still a full-time professional wrestler. It's just now I'm being paid to look after my body, to work out, get myself ready for an eventual return, which at the time I thought was going to be three, four, five weeks away. Ended yeah. up being seven or eight months, but having that sort of off season type 
type mentality and setup ended up being the best thing that's happened to me. And now I'm back here. I'm I feel refreshed and I feel like the audience is refreshed by seeing yeah. me at least. I hope so. So it's been and my body feels much better too. And I'm I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. So uh, it yeah. all worked out great for me to be honest. Yeah, good. I mean, I think that was a similar thing to some of the other guys from like NXT and uh, UK and, and I've had like uh, Tommaso Ciampa has been on and he said a similar thing and, and some like for, like pro rugby players have had on there as well on the show and they all said that this sort of, this forced off-season, if you like, especially the rugby guys, for example, that it's like they think could have extended, they could extend their career by two, three, four years even, you know, because of these injuries. They've, they've been able to sort of skip surgeries now because they've had these months off and just healing naturally. And it's actually been a, a big benefit to them. Well, for me, I'm, I'm really good at pushing myself and, and going as hard as I can. I'm, but I'm really bad at levelling back and the recovery side of things. You know, yeah. It comes easy to me to just go, go, go. And it's really difficult for me to just sit there and, and heal and, and get myself better. Um, mm-hmm. now the, but the good thing for me about having that, that off-season type time off is I wasn't doing that out of injury. I was... I was, I was a bit banged up. I had wear and tear that I never really realised I had, but I wasn't doing that because I'd blown my knee out and had to heal that. So my mm-hmm. focus, I could still push myself. I was still able to, well, I trained more than I ever have and I didn't have any sort of restrictions, which for me, like you, like you say, if anything's going to extend the career, it's, it's time off in, in that so, respect. Yeah. And also it refreshes it to the audience. So obviously the physical side of it is something you'd be interested in, but as a, as a performer... You know, just having that time away from the fans isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, mm. I think in wrestling, sometimes you worried about constantly being in the, the best spot you can and, and getting the most exposure that you can. But now that I'm here, you know, that's all well and good in the lead up to getting to where you want to be. But now that I'm here and people know who I am and they're familiar with who I am, I've realised time away really wasn't a bad thing at all. Yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, I can I can understand where you're coming from. Um, so... No doubt you you t- technically not like on the road at the moment, but um, uh, we've not really spoken about yet that you are you are a dad. Um, you've got a quite a young young kid at the minute. But what's has been a dad before the pandemic? You know, when you were out and about on the road and travelling, did that sort of present many struggles to you, or was it you know was it all pretty you know pretty well managed between you know you, you and your family? Well, yeah, it was it, it was difficult. You know, I went from being somebody who didn't want to be at home and I wanted to be on the road constantly to somebody who didn't want to be on the road and wanted to be at home constantly. It's a complete shift, right? And it's, it's yeah. not that I love the job that I do any less. It's that now you have this baby at home that you're supposed to, you know, you got to look after it. you got to... Yeah, and also, yeah. all new and I felt like I was missing out because I was immediately back on the road. So it's every little thing that she was learning or doing or, you know, just n- nothing crazy. I was there for the first steps and that kind of stuff, but just the little yeah. stuff where, you, you know, you get sent a video and she looks different. You get home and she feels different. She's a different size, different shape. Like you notice all those things as a dad. And that's what, that's what was difficult, but I can't really complain because I know a lot of people have had this sort of pandemic time really hard, obviously, but touch wood for me, it's, you know, it's given me that time to see that these, formative months for her where she's changing a lot now got to be with her the the whole time and even now I'm back out here obviously we're working every Wednesday we're on TV but it's in the same city you know I'm gone for the day but outside of that I'm home a lot and 
have my home gym here and stuff. So there's never a minute that we're away from each other. So in terms of timing in her life, it's it's come at the right time for me for this huge shift. So yeah, um, yeah, it was difficult at first, but you know you, you you have to manage, don't you? Yeah, probably dropped on well then. <laughs> so you have so, to. Uh, for me, it's a thing of having a child can can end up being something that burdens you and, and puts you off your goals. And it's like, you know, I, I'm busy now or I have to look after the baby, so I can't do this or I can't do that. Whereas for me, it's a case of I want to do that. I want to push harder. I want to do more because I have the baby, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally so, that, you know, it, it was sense, always yeah. a case of oh, I don't really want to leave, but I was still motivated to go out and, and do more and put myself in a better position so that she's in a better position, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I suppose really it's probably, you know, maybe you're even thinking ahead of like when she's older, you know, if you were to say scale it all back, quit it all because you didn't want to be away and then years to come when, you know, your, your child's in a, I don't know, twenties and you were like, well, yeah, I used to do that, but I gave it all up because, you know, it's like, it's not wanting to sort of, you know, to, to be that quitter, I suppose, or, or something like that. And, you know, and say, well, well once again, I'm in a, I'm in a blessed position because yeah. for me, it was, I wanted to go on the road, but, and I wanted to be at home. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that, you know, I wanted to be at home more, but it, it wasn't that I, I hated going to work and I hated doing this thing that I feel yeah. like a lot of people do live that, you know? And so I'm in a blessed position where it's not a case of, you know, it's, it's two things that I love a lot. I just love one a lot more, you know? Yeah, and a lot of people working nine to five, and they probably see their daughters less than I do. Yeah, or was doing, you know, because when I was home, I was home, I was present, I was, you know, it's all I was doing. There's a lot of people working that nine to five. You know, it, it, it's tough. It's tough for everyone. It's not just somebody who's on the road. It's for everybody that that yeah. Um, yeah. is busy and is trying to go out there and, and make money. Absolutely, man. So for the for the uh, future, what's the uh... Any particular plans, goals, or anything like? That? I mean, you. I know you said it'd be nice to be able to keep doing that bit of traveling and pop up in the UK when it's when it works out well and all that. But is the goals to be a permanent fixture on like the main roster of the WWE, or is that just that comes when it comes type of thing? Yeah, I, I sort of take my career as it comes now. Um, I was always goal orientated with my career leading up to to getting to WWE, but then since then it's so hard to map out because it's. It's so difficult for me to say, for example, I would have loved to be in the Royal Rumble, but that only became an option once once it was an option. It's not really something I could yeah. have strived for. You know, I don't really know how to lay that out in terms of my career. Obviously, I would, yeah. I would love an NXT title run. I would um, love to do a lot more in NXT. I feel like I still haven't maxed that out. And then maybe down the line, uh, Raw or SmackDown, um, there's a lot of people on those shows I'd like to work, but... There's also a lot of people back in the UK that I'd like to work with, and watching now, there's I hear there's, there's things happening in um, in India. You know, maybe there'll be other shows that start to pop up here and there. So it's hard for me to map out exactly where I want my career to go because yeah. I didn't know that NXT UK would be a thing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that these opportunities would present themselves, and when they do, you grab the ball and you run with it the best you can, and you just make sure yeah. you're prepared. But until then, it's hard for me to to map stuff out. I just know that there's a lot more I want to... Right now, there's a lot more I want to do in NXT in the US. So that's my focus. Yes, absolutely. I suppose really work, working for a company that's so big and got so many things going on, I, I suppose a lot of it 
is out of your control anyway, isn't it? It's like, you know, the opportunities will come when they come to you. You've just got to sort of do the best you can when, you, when you're performing. Yeah, and I've never been short of those opportunities. They've always given me great opportunities and chances to, to show what I can do. Like I say, it's just just about being prepared and being ready to uh, to grab the ball and run with it. It's mm -hmm. why the, the goals for me, I always try and set... I still, I'm still goal-orientated, so I try and set them outside of outside of my career, but they almost, they're almost one and the same. You know, a lot of them are to do with fitness and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. the more I focus on that, then the more ready I'll be when it's time. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's all one and the same. So maybe one, just maybe one last thing to sort of discuss really is like, uh, be interested to, to know with you saying that you, you know, you like to push yourself and it's hard for you to step back. What's your training like at the moment? I mean, I'm, I'm, am I right in thinking, do you, are you still going to the performance center to work with Sean or are you just training yourself at home or what's your sort of daily routine like from a training standpoint and, and things like that? And obviously family time as well. Yeah, so right now I'm training at home uh, purely because of the world situation. So mm -hmm. in between, I want to be right for TV. So the less that I'm around people, the more I can sort of isolate and keep focus. You know, the reason I'm in this this country right now is to is to go there to work and to mm -hmm. to put on the best matches I can and stuff like that. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put myself in. Um, not that that's, you know, everyone in the company's tested and whatnot, you know, they, they have a oh, yeah, cool. but still, you know, yeah. being out and about, it always runs, runs some level of risk. So I'm lucky enough to, to have a home gym set up and stuff like that. So strength training will always be a part of what I do. Um, mm -hmm. but I've realized in, especially sort of the last year or so that trying to constantly gain muscle and put on size as a natural athlete is just, it's almost a futile uh, pursuit when I've been doing it for so long so in terms of strength it's about maintaining the strength and uh, yeah. and physical size that I have but it's mm -hmm. no longer a priority for me because I think I've pushed it to the the, the limits that I can if that makes sense the gains I'm yeah. going to get the work I would put in is so minimal that mm -hmm. I'm sort of taking my fitness goals elsewhere and I've been getting a lot more into endurance stuff I've been running a lot and doing a lot of bike riding and stuff like that. Um, and, it, and it's exciting for me too, because it's something new. You know, it's only something I've been doing for the past sort of six months or so. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just something new, something that's fresh for me. It's not something that I'm, you know, I've, I've lifted weights since I was a kid. So, and I still will, and it, but it's just less of a priority now. Yeah. I think a big thing as well is, this is no doubt uh, comes from, Sean's ethos, Sean Hayes, who, who's the head uh, strength coach, anybody who's listening isn't sure who Sean is, uh, a big um, focus is on obviously be, being as strong as we can be, being as athletic as we can be, but preventing injuries as much as we can, which obviously is, they're unavoidable at times, given your job, no doubt, when you're actually performing, um, but trying to just, you know, make your joints as strong as we can, obviously, be as strong as we can physically, but it's just trying to make sure you 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 guys and girls are as healthy as possible, isn't it? And, and that's the difference between having that off season time and now. In that sort of off season time, I could take you know every movement to failure, and I could really focus on okay, let's let's try and build some tissue. And and my focus was way more aesthetic because you know um, I was looking to lose weight, I was looking to to look different when I came back and have sort of a 
you know, and I, I was happy I got that with people noticing straight away. Yeah, I, looked, I was just gonna, I was just going to say you definitely did look different. But now that I've done that, now that I'm back, and now that my focus is every single Wednesday, I've got to go out there and perform. I yeah. can't train like that because you can't. There's so much got to give, right? And if I'm pushing myself to failure yeah. and every single lift, and if the if the benefits uh, outweighed the cons, I would, right? Like if I knew that if I took every lift to failure by the end of the year, I'd have put on ten pounds of muscle. But being real, after what are we now like? Like I don't know. 12, 13, 14 years of lifting, whatever it's been, the chances of me, if I put on a pound of muscle this year, that would be a huge success. So That's it, yeah. It almost feels like a, a futile pursuit. So I'd rather yeah. use the lifting side of things to stay healthy, stay strong, yeah. and it be a lot more sports-specific for what I do. And yeah. then in terms of, you know, because I do need that challenge too, and it feels I do need to push myself, purely for my, my sort of mental state, really, like, so I'd rather use something new, something exciting like the endurance side of things, uh, and and goal set in that, in in on that side of things where I can see those increases. You know, I can I can, you know, every session I might get a better time or go a bit further, or I can see that I can see the progressive overload happening. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to lifting, the how far and how hard you're going to have to push yourself to the reward for somebody like me who does this sport, it doesn't really. Mm it doesn't really add up. Yeah. And like you said, the risk, risk to reward ratio isn't always in your favor, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, like I say, I have to be real. Now I'm back. I can't push myself. Like I'm not a, a pro bodybuilder, right? Like it's not my yeah. focus pro wrestler. When I was yeah. back up, I was able to train in the same way. I, I would imagine, you know, a, a pro strength athlete or a pro bodybuilder would do because you know, I weren't worried about, okay, we have takeover in a few weeks and I'm going to go out there and fight somebody for 40 minutes, right? That's a different mindset. When I, when I was back home and I had that off-season type time, it was, yeah, let's get into shape. And there's two very different focuses. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's, it's massive, dif- massive, dif- mass- excuse me, massive difference in the approaches to the two. And But at least, the good thing is at least you realise that, you know, and it's, it could be very easy to get swallowed up in the um, caught up if you like in the purely chasing, you know, the the aesthetics and how you look and nothing else, and neglecting, yeah. like you say. I think people just have an unreal expectation too, like yeah. especially with Instagram and stuff like that. That yeah, you these posts that people do, and you think you can just keep putting on muscle mass and keep getting leaner, but there's a you know there's you're giving up something on both ends of that, right? Yeah. If you want to keep pushing leaner, like I could keep trying to get leaner and leaner and leaner, but my performance is going to suffer. I'm going to be yeah, under eating totally. and you know, develop a terrible relationship with food. Oh, and then on the flip side of it, you keep trying to put on as much muscle as you can. Again, you're going to be injured. You're going to be beat up and your performance is going to suffer. And really, yeah. if I was uh, a few percent, uh, if, if my body fat percentage was a few percent less, are the audience going to realize or care? No. And if I put on an extra pound of muscle or two, are the audience going to care or realize? No. No. So, it, you know, now I'm back, performance is the, the only focus. Yeah, nice, nice. Right, man, pretty much at the end there, man. I'll uh, not take up any more of your time while it's uh, early in the morning, like where you are, no doubt you've got family stuff to do, training to do probably at some point. Um, so if, for everyone that's listening, mate, could you just let them know, uh, you know, where they can catch you on social media if they're not already following you? Yeah, I'm sure find me on Twitter and Instagram if you want. I'm not super active on there. I'm not a big social media guy. I'm, I try and be better with it. I try and force myself. But 
yeah, I'm sure they can yeah. find me. On Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, nice. Right, man. Cheers for your time again, and uh, and hopefully I'll uh, maybe see you again soon down at the performance center in the UK with a bit of luck in a, in the coming months. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for your time, Pete. Cheers. Cheers, man.